In this episode, Ken Schumann and a group of faith walkers reflect on the topic of wholeness. This conversation was originally recorded in December of 2020. We want to remind you that Faith Walking's mission is to make wholeness possible for individuals, communities, and the world. Visit us at www.faithwalking.us. That's www.faithwalking.us. Join this conversation. So I, I want you to do two things with me to the best of your ability. The first one is that that I've just said. I want you to imagine as I start to tell the story that you're part of the group, that you're there. Okay. Uh, the other thing that I want you to, uh, to do with me to the best of your ability is imagine that you don't know anything about Jesus except for what you've heard in the neighborhood. You've heard some people talk. You, you've, heard, you've heard that he, he's a rabbi, teacher. Uh, you've heard that, that he has special gifts and powers. Uh, you, you've heard about him, and, and you've heard he's coming to your community. So, so those two things. You're there. You've just heard a few things about Jesus. And I want you to think for a moment of your most ultra-conservative friends, they invite you over for a barbecue, would you go? So Jesus modeled and demonstrated his self-differentiation by saying, I'm going to go have dinner with a group of people that, that uh, I suspect really don't get me. And I suspect really don't understand me or what I'm about or what I'm doing. And, and not only that, I suspect that, they, that they're going to uh, probably be really skeptical of what I have to say and may even try to trap me. And Jesus showed up. So when we talk about being self-defined and staying connected, I think that's what it looks like. It means I go to parties where I know, I mean, and, and recognize Jesus was completely self-differentiated far more than I am. Uh, and so it would be a challenge for me. It wasn't a challenge for him. So he goes to the, to the party. He goes to the dinner. And right as he gets there, one of the, there's a woman that follows him in. And she becomes one of the spectators, but she's overwhelmed by Jesus being there. Now, we, we have no indication of whether she had met Jesus before or, or whether she had just heard about Jesus. We have no uh, recorded instance of Jesus had an encounter with her or any of that. All we know is she showed up, and as soon as she sees, sees Jesus, she falls at his feet crying. And she cries, evidently, fairly, um, I don't even know the right word. Uh, she's really crying because the tears are flowing so much that they land on Jesus' feet. And in an act of huge humility and respect, she begins to wash the feet of Jesus with her hair. Can you even imagine that? And then, because it was the tradition of the women of the day, she had a small vial of, uh, of perfumed oil. And she took that perfumed oil and, and she poured it on Jesus' feet and she began to wash his feet. We don't know her name. <clears throat> But here's what the Bible says about her. She was a well-known sinner. Now, I don't have a clue all of what that means, okay? But, but the scripture says she was a sinner. The word sin comes from the word hamartia, which means to miss the mark, okay? But I want to invite you to consider this. Here's what I believe and what, I, what I've come to believe uh, I believe that God's intended design is 
wholeness and completeness. What I believe is God's intended design is for there to be shalom for everyone for there to be flourishing and for, for there to be well-being and for there to be wholeness and for there to be completeness. And one of the authors that has influenced me a great deal has even said, and I've come to believe that sin is shalom breaking. That sin is when we break the wholeness or when we allow the wholeness to be broken. So it's far less about, oh, God's angry at me because I broke God's law. It's much more that God says, wholeness is my design. And I invite you to live a life of wholeness, of flourishing, of well-being. And if you align with me and my teachings, you will live that kind of a life. And some way along the, along the way, like all of us do, this particular woman lost her way toward wholeness. And she had allowed some brokenness to come. And she was known around the community less for her name because it wasn't recorded and more for her reputation. And she begins to weep and to wash Jesus' feet. And Simon, the Pharisee, the ultra-conservative host of the party, begins thinking in his head <clears throat> and making up a story by the way. And the story that he makes up in his head is, this guy I've invited over here for this meal cannot be a prophet. He can't be a man of God, because if he were a prophet, he would know this woman's reputation, and he would not allow her to do what she's doing. I think it's fascinating, folks. So imagine you're, you're at the party in the backyard, and your pastor is invited over. And a woman with a horrible reputation in the community comes into your backyard while you're having your barbecue. And she falls at the feet of your pastor and begins to weep. Now, just stop right there for a moment and think about what all the church ladies would be thinking. Right? What would all, oh my gosh, how does he know her? What in the world's he been up to? I mean, I can just imagine all of the stories that people were making up in their heads about what was going on. And here's what I want to point out. And Jesus just let her do it. Notice Jesus didn't get anxious. He, he, he didn't quickly push her away. Jesus didn't worry about what Simon was thinking or what his friends were thinking or what any of the crowd was thinking. By the way, what I'm convinced of, ladies, is that Jesus was teaching. And he let her wash his feet. And he really didn't say much to her in that moment. And then he turned back to Simon and he told Simon a story. So here's another evidence of differentiation. Jesus didn't just let it go. He, he didn't just get quiet to be nice. Somebody said, uh, I think probably it was you, Deborah, a few weeks ago, uh, that sometimes Christians think we have to be nicer than Jesus. And what I want you to see is Jesus told the truth. He was never rude. But in our particular here in Texas, our Southern hospitality, we would, we would have interpreted it as rude because he tells, he turns to Simon and he tells him a story. And he says, Simon, I want to tell you a story. There was a, there was a, uh, a bank loan manager who had loaned money to two people. And one of them, he had loaned about $10,000 to. And the other one, he had loaned $100,000 to. And both of them, because of the COVID uh, epidemic, both of them had lost their jobs. Their incomes weren't going very well. And they couldn't pay the debt back. 
and, and it was in default. And the banker was calling the loan for both of those loans. And they both come in and they both tell their story and they both share uh, how desperate the times are for them. And, and the banker, because of the banker's deep love and compassion, he forgave both the debts, just wrote them off. And Jesus turned, uh, as he turned to Simon, he said, now, Simon, which of those two debtors do you think would love the, the loan manager the most? And Simon said, well, I, I assume it'd be the one that owed the most money. Now, obviously, the one that owed $100,000 is going to lo uh, love and care for the, for the gift because it's a greater gift. And Jesus said, you're exactly right. And then he does an interesting thing. He turns back to the woman. And he asks Simon this question, and I think it's an important question. He asks, do you see this woman? Do you see her? Folks, I think we get lost often because we, we see the actions of people, but we don't see people. I think Jesus might have been asking her, do you see this woman who's created in the image of God? Do you see this woman who has lost her way? Who, who has allowed some brokenness into her life, but, but who God wants to flourish and be full of well-being, do you see her? And then, again, Jesus didn't back up from kind of confronting the guy. And he said, Simon, let me tell you something. The custom of our day, when an important guest arrives at a house, three things happen. His dusty feet get washed. He's given a kiss on the cheek of greeting. And his head is anointed with some perfumed oil. That's the custom when an important rabbi comes. You did none of those things. And yet this woman has washed my feet with her hair, kissed my feet, and poured uh, perfumed oil all over my feet. So I want you to see again, Jesus was expressing differentiation by saying what is so for him, holding up the mirror. Can, can you imagine doing that? I, I can't imagine doing that because I've been trained all my life. Oh no, you don't tell people the truth. You, you just be nice, right? But Jesus just held the mirror up. And what Jesus was holding the mirror up, I think, was this. He was holding the mirror up to say, Simon, you really don't respect me. You really don't know who I am. And you really don't believe in what I'm about. You just invited me here uh, as some sort of show or in some way to trap me. That's what Jesus was saying. Because you did not treat me in the normal, honorable way that a teacher would have been treated. And then on a dime, Jesus turns back to the woman. And here's what he says. Your sins are forgiven. Wait just a second, Jesus. The Bible tells me you've got to confess first. In this story, there's no confession. Well, wait, Jesus, I know she must have repented. Maybe she did. But all we have in this story is Jesus announcing forgiveness. Makes me wonder. I wonder what the message of Jesus would be like if what we were invited to do is just go announce forgiveness. Just go announce forgiveness. And by the way, this is pre-cross. Jesus hadn't died on the cross yet. <laughs> He's still here. And he announces forgiveness. And 
as good conservative Christian people do, Simon and his buddies began murmuring among themselves, who does he think he is? Didn't fit their paradigm, right? Didn't fit their mental model. To use some faith walking language, they were listening to Jesus through the lens of right and wrong thinking. And Jesus was wrong. Rather than listening through the lens of what are the possibilities and what, what might God want to say and do different than what my strict structured mental model has me trapped in. Your sins are forgiven. Notice that Jesus didn't react to their reaction. Though they began to murmur about who does he think he is, it didn't phase Jesus. Again, he was differentiated, and he managed his own anxiety, if he had any anxiety. I'm sure I would have had enormous anxiety, and then Jesus simply defined himself. This is who I am. This is what I'm about. Well, how did he do that? Through his actions. You see, what Jesus was announcing and demonstrating and how Jesus defined himself, I believe, is I re I'm rep a representative of God who loves people unconditionally. Doesn't matter what their brokenness is. And I represent a God who just announces forgiveness. Who wants everybody to be forgiven and welcomes everybody to be forgiven. And that's what I'm about. And then we come to the drum roll. The final component of the story, which is all of that is fantastic, but the final part's even better for me. We come to the final part of the, 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 the story where Jesus pronounces a blessing over the woman. And in English, it mostly gets translated this way. Your faith has saved you. Now go in peace. Your faith has saved you, now go in peace. Powerful enough, just those words. But, you remember, I'm a word geek, and so I start doing the word studies, and I go back to the word studies. Your faith has, for you that have studied Greek, the Greek word is sozo, salvation. One of the ways we translate sozo is to be restored to health and wholeness. What if what Jesus was really saying was, your faith has restored you to God's design. Your faith has restored you to flourishing and well-being and wholeness and completeness. Now go in peace. But we're not done. The tradition of that day <clears throat> for people who had died was to say about them, go in peace. Very similar to what we use today when we say rest in peace. It was used of the dead. So when we look closer at the Greek that this was written in, the little article might also be interpreted, rather go in peace, go into peace. Your faith has made you whole again. Now go into peace. But I got one more little piece. Jesus was Jewish. Jesus spoke Hebrew. Jesus thought in Hebrew. And the Hebrew word for peace is the word shalom. And the word shalom means wholeness and completeness 
and soundness. And so what I believe Jesus said to this beautiful woman was your faith, whatever faith it was, has restored you to wholeness. Now I want you to go and live into the wholeness that you've just experienced. Go in peace. So if that were the only story you knew about Jesus, what would you believe? Now we'll have the altar call. Who wants to come forward? What's that stir up for you? When you said, <clears throat> I had never noticed this part before, when you said, you are forgiven. I've always equated forgiveness, equated it with the cross. Mm -hmm. So I was shocked to hear that part prior. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, um, and uh, that's all I can't, I can't stop. Yeah, that's, that's all right, Brenda. And, and, and hear me. I'm not sure I know what it means either. But what I want to be open to is, what if God has something to say here different than what I've always heard or talked or believed? I don't want to be like Simon the Pharisee who says, oh, no, right, wrong. Oh, no, that's not the way it could. No, that couldn't have happened. In this story, it's before the cross. Jesus says you're forgiven. And in this story, we don't see her confess or repent. One of the things I like to say, and, and I've come to believe, is I want to be as liberal with forgiveness as Jesus was. And Jesus was really liberal with forgiveness. So thanks, Brenda. Ken, may I? Yeah. I think what I, if I didn't know who Jesus was, I would say that this rabbi is looking beneath the surface if I was, you know, just viewing this fly on the wall and I, mm -hmm. I'd be looking at Simon thinking, well, this man's just pointed out what this guy does and what people like him do all the time. And what many people do is that they just look prima facie and they just see mm -hmm. what they see mm -hmm. and they say, oh, no, what I see is bad. Yeah. But what this Jesus rabbi is doing is saying, no, 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 there's more than what you see. Because he says, do you see her? Right. And he's seeing her heart. And yeah. we don't hear forgiveness. But, mm -hmm. he, you know, she is, she's brought to her knees by, you know, by her the pain that she's carrying. And she sees, she mm -hmm. must see the purity of Christ. Mm -hmm. And she is being respectful and doing the things that Simon should have done. So it's like Jesus, this Jesus rabbi is a guy who sees deeper than just my face, mm -hmm. than who I am, mm -hmm. and says, you get to go over. You yeah. get to do this again. I forgive you. Mm -hmm. You know? Um, so I see, yeah, that's what I see. Yeah, good. Thank you, Max. Good. And just to throw one more piece in, I just thought of a piece I forgot. And when all that happened, the kingdom came. For that woman in that moment, that's the kingdom coming, folks. So recognize the kingdom comes daily through small little moments where God shows up and God arrives and God does God's work. That's the kingdom coming. You've been restored to wholeness. Well, guess what? When the kingdom comes, we're going to be restored to wholeness. Yeah, Deborah. Yeah, I think that when you said that, that's the place where the kingdom came. That's what I was thinking a minute ago with the impact of him saying, you are forgiven. And she never repented. You know, she never right. did the official religious things. That was a place, a thin place. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's where the kingdom is. It, he just separated out 
the earthly and the mundane and the impure and 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 it opened up this thin place where heaven met earth in her experience in her body mm-hmm. and i love it that that the religious will always look for how we can stay impure and and sinful right, right. but whoever touched jesus or whoever he touched became pure yeah he just he he set her free from impurity restored honor to her mm-hmm. it's just it's so impactful yeah i had this little alabaster thing i was looking around for it had this little round alabaster box i'd gotten that mm. is it called pure one in the states yeah years ago yeah that i put some fragrant oil in it about 20 25 years ago and that that's all gone but the alabaster still smells mm. and it always reminds me of that that thin place yeah where she went and where god takes us yeah yeah so. and 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 so let's let's tie it to christmas and that's why jesus came this is why he came God said, hey, you're, you're not getting it and all the rules and all the study. You're not getting it. Let me show you in a person who I am and what I'm about and what I look like. And so Jesus just comes and, and, uh, and, and just says, I'm, I'm unconditional love. I'm liberal forgiveness. <clears throat> I'm mercy and grace. I'm the wholeness restorer. <clears throat> Really powerful stuff for me, folks. And you can tell I'm a preacher at heart, right? I love to tell Bible stories. Go ahead, Tammy. So let me ask you a question because I'm not entirely sure. Does Simon pop back up again? Do we know yeah. what happens to Simon? That's a great question that I don't have an answer for you. I don't know. To my knowledge, he doesn't. So I have... I have had it beyond the tops of my head with the conservative religious people of our day, with the Simons of our day. I have no problem embracing the woman of ill repute and seeing the love and forgiveness of Jesus in that. A thousand times over, I would hang out with her right. than I would with him. Right. And I am um, convicted only mildly convicted that he would show up <laughs> once to the guy's house. Yeah. I would give somebody one dinner. I'm curious what happens after that. Yeah. And what I do know is that two chapters later, he is teaching his disciples in Luke 9 that when you go to a town and they reject you and they don't recognize who I am, shake the dust off your feet. Mm-hmm. I get that, but 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 balancing that with grace, with compassion for my brothers and sisters in Christ who are making yeah. me absolutely insane right now is, yeah. is my challenge to show up as Jesus. I can love on that woman till there's right. no more tomorrows. Yeah, I'm with you. Me too. Mm-hmm. But it's Simon that I have problems with. Absolutely. I'm totally with you. Totally with you, Tammy. <laughs> And, Doesn't and mean I, to shoot down your lesson. <laughs> you're not shooting down my lesson. Uh, yeah. it, I hope. <laughs> yeah. No, because because again, uh, yeah, and Jesus chose to go to the dinner. Now, he may not have chosen to go back. That's what I, I'm I, curious about. <laughs> I, I think the other thing that that is really powerful for me <clears throat> is, and and when he chose to show up at the dinner, he didn't not hold the mirror up and say, let me, let me show you yourself, you know, uh, in, in, uh, the condemnation and the judgment. And, uh, and, and so it, what I have the tendency to do is go show up, try to tell people what I think and believe. And then when they reject it, I just then zip it. And I, and what I do is I withdraw internally in distance. I take them and, off my Facebook pages. <laughs> yeah. And then I can't, and then I can't wait to get out of there. Right. Uh, and it doesn't, 
And by the way, I, I, I don't want to lump everybody into one category. It's, it's just gen, in general, anybody who, dis, who we disagree with and wants us to think a certain way. Trish, go ahead. Just going to say that in the various different churches I've belonged to, and they've all been wonderful churches, if anybody could have harmed me, it would be people in the church, much more Absolutely. so than anybody outside of the church. I mean, I have wounds from people in the church that are deep, knife-like, yeah. and horrible, yeah. and yeah. nobody outside of the church has ever touched me like that or harmed me like that. And that, going back with what Tammy said, makes no sense. It makes no sense yeah. that to be in a church... Um, I once had a group put me in spiritual timeout because they felt that I was too questioning. Who does that in a church? Who puts you in spiritual timeout? I mean, really? I mean, mm. but the whole point is I've never been harmed like I've been harmed by a church mm. ever in the outside world. So I just yeah. think that says something about Simons that they harm and they hurt all because of their hypocrisy about how they know the way and you have to come to their way. So I just right. wanted to share that. And it's not just one church, it's multiple church. So I'm with you. I'm with you. It can't you. just be me. It has to be them. Yeah. Uh, somehow, and I'm I'm yeah, I don't yeah, I mean it's it's been around since Simon. Uh, but somehow we we have convinced ourselves and have a mental model as a culture mostly that being right in our beliefs is more important than being loving. And Jesus said the greatest command is to love, right? And, and the scripture tells us if there's one thing we know about God, it's that God is love. And so for me, okay, what if I'm wrong? What if I'm wrong about all my assumptions from this story? Well, that's okay. I can still be loving, right? Uh, and I think that's the challenge. And, and I'm with you. I mean, I would say from a person that's pastored for 40 years, I've been hor horribly treated by Christian people sometimes. And it's, it's horribly sad. And, it's, and, and I don't know why. But, but I do think that uh, I keep coming back to, I believe God keeps calling all of us, just love better. Just, just learn to love better. And, and by the way, beating somebody up when they're down or putting them in spiritual timeout is not really loving, even though we convince ourselves it is. And if every pastor preached the message that you just preached to us, the world would be different. There's a theological deficiency out there that, that somehow this message has not been deeply permeated into our into our churches and into our culture because your your message was spot on it's, it's it's that's the heart of jesus ken right there where yeah. the disconnect between our theology and our practice happened i don't know but but yeah beautiful. orthodoxy became more important than orthopraxy mm-hmm I just needed to throw that big word in because I, I knew you'd it. know. I knew you'd know what it was, and I wanted I was right to. There with you. I wanted I was... to impress everybody. <laughs> oh yeah, you're word geek. You're word geek. <laughs> you had to do it. Ken, I think it kind of gets back to Tammy about what you said earlier, Ken, that we often see the actions of people and actual instead of actually seeing them. Yeah. And that takes intention. Because a lot of us, myself especially, will will adopt an observer um, standpoint instead of really looking at the person. Yeah. And, and when you were when you were going through the story and describing the story, I was thinking, I wonder about this woman. Um, I wonder if she had been following Jesus before mm -hmm. she. Came this room and I wonder you know about her increasingly um becoming drawn towards his loving mm -hmm. presence mm -hmm. and I think that's what God does or when we show other people love that people are drawn to his love I mean I know I am and it's like she had to have been so drawn to his love that she would have risked going into that house knowing full well what these people thought about her yeah. and 
and still do this for him and to be connected to him. Yeah. Yeah, I totally, totally see it, Trish, and agree. And um, yeah, and my hunch is she, she had heard and, and she had had encounters with Jesus before, maybe not one-on-one personal, but she had seen, she had heard, and that's what brought her to the house that night. And then everything just broke. And, you know, somehow being in the presence of, of such a, uh, a person, just, just the dam just burst and, you know, and, and her tears began to flow and yeah, who knows? It's the love. love. I mean, I'm, I'm convinced it's his, it's his unconditional love for her. I wonder if he had probably never, ever experienced that before. Exactly. I'm sure. He knew it. Yeah. Thanks. Dawn, go for it. Uh, Just a question about Simon. You know, I have to believe that all of the compassion that we feel towards this woman um, is warranted and the forgiveness and the love that Jesus showed her. Um, But he also came for the Simons of the world. He also has Mm -hmm. the forgiveness and the grace for the Simons. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I think that's our challenge Mm -hmm. still. You know, it is easier, like Tammy was saying, to hang out with this woman and love on her and um, appreciate her. But the Simons need the story as much as she does and and the love and the forgiveness. Yeah. Great, great. Yes. Great reminder. Yes, Mags. It just strikes me, you know, we we tend to focus on if well, I tend to focus on before the um the teachings of Jesus to Simon when he says, you know, he tells him about um uh you know the the two guys, you know, that were mm-hmm. forgiven and mm-hmm. and he said, Do you see her? You know, do you really see who she is? But I'm truly believe that that teaching wasn't just for Simon. That teaching no. was for the woman mm-hmm. as well, because mm-hmm. he's, saying, he's saying to her, "Do you see what I'm doing? Mm-hmm. This is what this is. I'm being an example, a witness to you. Now I want you to go and do the same." Mm-hmm. Um. So I was just thinking, like the woman has obviously. Um, she feels it in her heart she knows it like it's hit jesus's actions um like something's happened in her heart um and she's just pouring out that love where um simon is like even jesus telling him like this is the story like there's these two people like it's still it's still in his head he's trying to work it all out Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. but the woman's just like she's encountered jesus in a way that's that's flooded her heart and she can't help um but but pour out love then um whereas whereas simon's just not not quite there yet he needs you know he hasn't met with with love he's still trying to work it out for for himself in the in Mm -hmm. the old style um life that that he has um and yeah i was just kind of struck with that sometimes we just need to let things bypass our head um, and connect with our heart. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Good. Thank you, Michelle. Deborah, I thought I saw your hand up. Yep. Kind of a questiony thing, uh, observation questiony thing. When uh, back to what Mags was saying about casting your pearls before swine. And, And yet, did he see a potential in Simon? I'm wondering right. that he mm-hmm. possibly, not that it's anchored, just potential. Right. And a truth about Jesus that scripture says is he, uh, he did it. He knew what men were made of. So he didn't trust himself to them. Part of that self defining. Mm-hmm. Could you just speak to that a little bit too? Of Which piece? It, help, help me here. Yeah, either, either piece. I guess the possibility of seeing potential in Simon. Yeah. But having this whole thing played out in his home, in his courtyard. Yeah. But 
Jesus not casting his pearls before swine was because he didn't trust himself to men. You yeah. know what they are. You, you just, yeah. they're loose connections for me right now. Yeah. So first of all, I'm not sure I have an answer for you, Deborah. I, I don't know about all that. Uh, one of the things that helps me is a phrase that we use in faith walking often um, that I think connects to this story in that when I see people, whether it's Simon or, or whether it's the woman, see them as anxious people rather than evil people. And that's really helped me uh, because sometimes there. So here's what I believe. I believe when anxious, controlling people don't get what they want, they they become evil people. That's what I've ex experienced, Tricia, in church. So anxious people that are controlling people don't get their way. They become evil people. And so if I can, if I can see through all of that and say, you know, at the heart, they're afraid. So what was Simon afraid of? Well, he was afraid that all of his education and all of his training was was there was something wrong with it. Well, I've got to defend myself now. I, I've got, oh, I'm, I'm smug and arrogant because I, all my thinking is in, my, in this nice little box that I've got it in, and he's threatening all that now. That's not the way I was taught. And so, um, yeah, that's the best I got, Deborah. That's still really quite good okay. <laughs> and reframing because we too can be so religious. We want to put people in black or white categories. Correct. You're all good or you're all evil. You're either white or all black. Correct. But that is the compassion of the Lord, isn't it? To see hurting, anxious people. Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're protecting something. Go ahead, Judith. Yeah. yeah for me, um, the, the big challenge is that, I don't see that it's my place to judge. God, God came, Jesus came that, uh, that all might not perish. Mm -hmm. So if there's a possibility of sharing that, that forgiveness, that freedom from brokenness um, with someone, I, I think we are called to make that, take that stance. Maybe afterwards we're, we're talking about um, shaking the dust off our feet or not casting our pearls before swine. But if, if I'm looking at individuals I, and I don't see them well, I don't know why they're behaving in the way they are behaving. Um, and then I'm judging if I choose not to. Um, right. And, and, I, and I wonder if it's not so much about, uh, you know, dust your feet off and, and forget them forever. I wonder if it's not, okay, I'm going to live my life in such a way. I'm, I'm, because here's, here's what I remember about the Luke 10 passage, uh, the dust, uh, not the dust off your feet. He says, go to every town and village and look for the shalom people. Look for the people of peace. Look for the people who are for wholeness and start your work with them. Well, guess what? Well, maybe some of these other people, maybe they're not ready for wholeness now, but they'll be ready for wholeness at another time. So I work with those that are ready for wholeness now, constantly plowing and cultivating the garden in hopes that some of the, the soil that maybe is a little harder soil might be open to wholeness at another time. Courtney. Yeah, no, it's, this has been really great. Um, lots of good stuff. I'm just thinking like regarding you know, people of people of peace and looking for that. And, and I, I kind of, I don't know if I would completely put Simon outside of that persona of him being a right. person of peace. I mean, his, right. he was, I mean, he willingly let Jesus into his home. So he knew right. Jesus was something. He just yeah. had a very, very small perspective and wasn't there yet because he had been stuck in rigidity for so long and i and i think about peter um you know after um when he's at who's ever's house and he has the vision and he has food coming down and mm -hmm. and and god hears a voice and says you know eat eat whatever's in front of you and i think that was really hard for peter right um and we all know peter to be a screw-up but also to be someone who was you know was given keys to 
his church and you know was given the identity of being um um the rock of the church and so but i still think he didn't ever get it you know and i think jesus constantly walked around with people who didn't get it um sure. his disciples and everything and so i think Sim, maybe simon wasn't I just think he didn't get it, but he he knew enough to know that Jesus was worth coming over to his house and he mm -hmm. was worth something to say. It just, mm -hmm. just hadn't really clicked, you know, mm -hmm. um, what what it actually meant, um, you know, religiosity versus, you know, forgiveness right. and grace, et cetera. Right. Yeah. One of the things that helps me, and this occurs to me as you're talking, Courtney, and I, and I totally agree, is, again, we tend to have this this uh, category, I, I used right or wrong earlier, uh, m m we, but we tend to have this, this thing where we categorize people either this or that, and nowhere in between. And what has really helped me is an image that uh, it's, it's almost like a continuum that everybody is either closer to Jesus or further away from Jesus. They're closer to the kingdom and kingdom, a kingdom worldview, or they're further away from a kingdom worldview. And that we're all on this journey and that it's our job to simply love people, journey with those people as they move closer to Jesus. So Simon, maybe, hopefully, took a step toward Jesus after that meal. The woman obviously took multiple steps toward Jesus. All the people that were there and saw and heard, they all took steps toward Jesus. And, and so for me, it's not about, oh, this person bad, that person good, this person in, that person out. No, it's just, okay, we're all on this journey. And, and can I help this person take a step toward Jesus and the kingdom? I, I just wanted to step back for a second and just say, acknowledge something I've been seeing on this call that uh, is moving me because, um, sorry, it'll, it's going to be hard for me to communicate. Uh, this is a call that could have caused a lot of anxiety for people, you know, who were not familiar with the way, <laughs> like the faith walking way. And what an incredible thing to be able to open the possibility that we haven't read things the same, you know, the, the way that we could have read them or that I just think about in my early, like in my twenties or something, when I would be on a call like this and, and it would be about getting a feel for the group. Right. And then as soon as your fear is triggered, as soon as there's like that anxiety that comes in because, Oh, that sounds heretical or, or that sounds like, you know, the, you know, all these words, li liberal or, uh, you know, social gospel or, you know, whatever the, the term may be. And we just be, I'm sure it's not just me. We just be out of there because it was all about determining whether something was right or wrong. And the fear, I would never have put it this way at the time, but the fear that like we would fall into, I don't know, heresy or something and be doomed essentially one way or the other, you know, and I would, and so when, when I started doing stuff with faith walking in the early days and the one-on-one retreat, I think it was Marcos who did use the analogy. Some of you have heard of letting something hang on the laundry line and just let it be there. You don't have to accept it. You don't have to reject it. Stop thinking in terms of right or wrong, you know, and just, that was just so freeing that that was okay. <laughs> <laughs> and that I don't have to figure out if anybody else is a heretic and I don't have to figure out if I'm a heretic <laughs> at any given time. So I don't know. I just wanted to put that out there that this is a safe place and it encourages us in our own personal lives to not be afraid to like really wrestle with this stuff and that God's not going to reject us because we don't come up with the right answer at any given moment. Okay. I'm off my, uh, Pedestal podium there. <laughs> Good stuff, Angela. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah. Go ahead, Dawn. And I would just, yeah, thank you, Angela. I would add to also what you finished with Ken um, a minute ago, which is that um, we are both the, of those characters in that story. Mm -hmm. We are, we are Simon, and we are also the woman. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
Hey, wait just a second. Speak for yourself. Don't 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 pronounce that over me. I am. <laughs> <laughs> yes, ma'am. And I am also. You are exactly right. I am both characters. Yeah. Yeah. And 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 so it's okay to say this too, folks. And I am Jesus. You understand? I'm his follower. I want to emulate his ways. And so I'm I'm Simon and I'm the woman and I'm Jesus all at one time. Now that sounds a little heretical, Angela. Did I make you anxious about that? No anxiety ever, ever again. <laughs> Sorry, I was actually distracted. I was got a chat message. <laughs> I mean, on this call. <laughs> so you'll have to. I'll, I maybe the Lord took me out for a second so that I wouldn't be anxious by whatever it was you just said. Yeah. Okay. Well, group, we're we're more than out of time. Uh, thank you all, all. Uh, yeah, thank you for the conversation. We will be off for the next couple of weeks to celebrate Christmas and New Year, and then we'll be back. So Merry Christmas to every one of you. Um, and I look forward to uh, 2021 and what's in store for us around the corner. Uh, I'm, I'm, uh, one of my deals I have to do today is write a, uh, a new year letter to all of the faith walkers. And I'm trying to think about what I, what I want to say. And, and one of the ideas is we, we all are so ready to turn the page, but we, but we can't yet turn the page. <laughs> and, uh, so how, how do you, how do you live in the, in the, uh, in the in-betweenness of, wanting to turn the page and knowing, okay, it's not time yet to turn the page. So anyway, I hope we have a great 2021 and I look forward to seeing you all. For more information about Faith Walking, visit www.faithwalking.us. We want to remind you that Faith Walking exists because of your financial support please consider giving at faithwalking.us backslash donate. Thank you for listening.